0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the SPED Prep Academy podcast. This is episode 40, and I'm your host, Jennifer, and I've been teaching special education for 26 years. And while teaching children of special needs is my passion, I've also developed a love for teaching teachers as well. My goal is to provide you with timely and applicable information that you can immediately put into action within your own classroom, department, or program. These weekly mini doses of professional development are perfect for the busy special educator who needs just a little boost of motivation to stay in the trenches week after week. I know the mental and physical toll that being a special educator can take on you, and I want nothing more than to support you through it. If this is your first time here, welcome. I am so glad you found me. The podcast is released every Wednesday morning, so make sure you hit subscribe so you can get your weekly reminder. If this isn't your first time here, welcome back. I would love it if you would review the show and give me some feedback and let me know how this show has helped you grow as an educator. Before we get into the show today, I want to remind you that the Intentional IEP Summer PD series hosted by the one and only Stephanie DeLessi from Mrs. D's Corner is still open for enrollment. I got to be part of this series and my session on present levels of performance aired on June 17th, but when you sign up, you'll be given access to all of the weekly sessions as well as the weekly bonuses. I can't tell you how excited and how extremely proud I was to be a part of the Summer PD Series because it is so needed for special educators. I don't know about you, but I wasn't handed a magic handbook titled How to Be an Effective Special Educator, and so I had to learn everything I knew through trial and error and from learning from other teachers, which is exactly what this is. There are so many teachers involved in this, people I have become friends with online and others who I've looked up to and watched on social media. The sessions will be dripped out to you all summer, so you need to get signed up now so that you don't miss out. To get signed up, all you have to do is go to www.spedprepacademy.com SPD for summer PD, SPD, and click the link to enroll. And I want to tell you that I have gone back and watched many of the episodes, and as a 25-year veteran teacher, I'm still learning the insight some of these teachers have is amazing and I will tell you that this type of training is exactly what special educators need. They are short, they are to the point, it's a get in and get out little nugget of important information. I would have given anything to have had this series back in the day and thanks to Stephanie, you can. So again, that's spedprepacademy.com spd. As a special educator who primarily runs a resource room with my co-teacher in seven pairs, we do have students from time to time who have more needs than a typical resource room can provide. It might be that they are included within the general education setting for as much time as possible, but then they come to us for life skills. We do use a task box system, and I try to incorporate as many life skills types of things as we can, but I'm the type of person who's always looking for more effective ways, more efficient ways. So today's guest is here to help me do just that, to give me tips on how to merge the two different types of services. Heather Cassioppo is a life skills teacher who is in her eighth year of teaching, but Heather does something that I really wish I would have been able to do after just eight years of teaching, and that is to provide professional development to other special educators through her business, Full Sped Ahead, and has presented at many conferences, including Educators to Educators, The Intentional IEP, Thriving in Sped, Teach It Special, and she is a master IEP coach. Heather also supported Don Johnston in a pilot program for the creation of Readtopia curriculum, and she is featured in their introductory video. Heather has a passion for teaching students and recently found a desire to support teachers that are struggling to stay afloat. Through product creation on Teachers Pay Teachers and her influence on social media, Heather strives to help make teachers feel like they are not alone. So let's hear from Heather. Hey Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your expertise with my listeners.
1: Of course, thank you so much for having me here.
0: So, you're kind of a big deal to me, I guess in in the special ed world. I love following you on Instagram and I love, you know, seeing all the cool things that you're doing even though that we, you know, have two different special education worlds, it feels like, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about you and about your educational background.
1: Of course. Um, So I am a middle school self-contained life skills teacher. I'm in Illinois. Um, I'm now going on my eighth year teaching self-contained. I've previously worked with high school students and now I've been spending the last four years in middle school. And I absolutely love the self-contained life skills type of program. I know we do a lot more um, with significant needs, but it's my pride and joy and I absolutely love it.
0: And then outside of your teaching, tell us a little bit about your, you know, your Instagram posts and all of that.
1: Of course. So I've been developing my Instagram probably for the last three to four years. Um, I was so alone in the classroom. There were not many teachers that I could connect to. Of course, I had the teachers in my building, but everybody was kind of doing different things. We never really met and collaborated. And I felt so alone on this special education island that nobody else knew about, nobody else could understand. Um, And so I created my Instagram just to kind of connect with other educators. There are so many great ideas out there. And I think collaboration and working with other educators is something that we need to do, um, especially since we are so specialized in special education. Like I said, I'm self-contained, but not every special ed teacher is self-contained. Um, but I really wanted to connect with more teachers who could understand where I'm coming from and the daily struggles that I have.
0: Well, as a resource teacher, like I said, our our worlds are completely different. You know, my classroom setup is going to look significantly different than that of a self-contained teacher. I'm I'm pulling kids, you know, from their regular education classrooms, you know, all day long. They're in and out of my classroom. My paras are going into the, cl- the regular ed classrooms to provide inclusion. And, you know, it's a very fluid, very, um, you're seeing different kids every hour kind of situation. But every once in a while, my co-teacher and I will have a student on our caseload who needs significantly more than what a resource program can provide and it's at those times when you know i am scrambling to get things in place for them i'm trying to get task boxes made i'm trying to get you know locate curriculum that will that will work for them and i just feel very unprepared sometimes even after 26 years of teaching i feel unprepared to teach you know all types of children and so i'm really glad that you're going to be on the sh- that you're on the show today so that you can help You know, maybe bridge that gap a little bit for me. So, I was hoping if you could give me and the listeners, you know, some guidance on how to merge those two types of classrooms.
1: Of course. So, what you really need to think about is what's important for the student. Always make everything student centered. Um, I was talking with one of my friends um, who has a student who cannot tie their shoes. But tying your shoes is kind of important. Yes, you can have Velcro shoes until you're 50, 60, 70 years old. But, you know, it's more appropriate to make sure they're able to tie their shoes. So look at your learner. Um, it might be multiple learners. And if organization is something that they really struggle with, then help them with that. That is a life skill you need to know. Time management. Um I had talked even before, budgeting and money management is something that you might not teach directly, but if you could do a mini unit or some type of activity on once a week on a Friday, something like that, that you can bring in life skills into the resource classroom. um, Yes, I know you kind of have to get creative with it, um, but look at what is most important for your students beyond the academics. If they're really struggling social emotionally, bring in some SEL. And um, like I said, it doesn't need to be every day. It could be once a week, could be once a quarter, once a month, whatever's easier for you. Um, But like I said, really keeping your students in the center of everything and anything that you decide. Um, I think special education has made this mold for resource and for self-contained and what that means but we're seeing a lot of overlap, like you said, where students are crossing between multiple programs. Um, They might not be a self-contained student. They might not be a resource student. um, And they kind of need that overlap a little bit.
0: Can you kind of explain, like, I've never been, one of my class. we have several classrooms at my school. One of my classrooms on the outside, the, you know, the label, I guess, it says Live Skills Classroom. And I've never I, I didn't do my student teaching in life skills. I didn't observe in life skills. So, can you kind of explain what a life skills classroom actually looks like?
1: For sure. Um, so, our classroom does a lot of daily living skills anything that you can think of that you do every single day cooking, cleaning, grooming, self care, toileting, behavior management, organization, um, everything. Academics is even included in there. So, we are very comprehensive and try to focus on as many parts of the student's day in order to promote independence. So my students are really trying to work on not requiring a staff to be prompting them for every little thing they do, every step of the way. Um, You know, I know you had talked about work tasks before. Um, A lot of my students are working on work endurance and being able to do a task or multiple tasks for longer periods of time. Um, so, they are fatigued after five, ten minutes, might need a break, and then we go back to work. Um, so, it's a very structured and routine classroom um, most of the time, but also giving opportunities for the students to grow and progress and gain any sort of independence that is appropriate for them.
0: I like that. I like that, you know, and the organization piece is important to me, and I know that you know, your classroom, whatever classroom it is, you need to have organization and special ed because it just keeps you, it keeps your sanity there. But so what are the must haves, you know, as far as organization or anything else, what are the must have um, items that I should include into my resource room that would help my students with life
1: skills? Um, I think above all, it's going to be the structure and routine. Um, If there are opportunities that you are doing academics, if a mini schedule could be a part of that, even Think about what you do during the day. You need kind of a system to say, I need to do, wake up, brush my teeth, go to the bathroom, take a shower, whatever. Like your morning routine, you kind of have your own structure. Um, and I think some type of structure and routine schedule for your students would be super supportive. Um, from there, again, it's going to be based on your students and what they truly need and um, if you feel that your students need some type of vocational or work task um, system, you can set up some a similar system to what the self contained classroom has, um, where you might have a task box or a bin or a um, even just worksheets in a in a little drawer of a system that they do these two worksheets, then they can get a reward, or a break, or some type of incentive um, after they've finished that. So again, that helps on the independence, the work fatigue, um, perseverance, everything that you need. And it might be something related to organization, right? Putting these words in order, um, or smallest to largest, whatever your students are working on. Um, and there's that's what I found about special ed, is there are many things that we do that encompass multiple areas, not just an academic skill. It also works on time management and um, fluent writing, whatever it is, it's depending on the activity, there are multiple things that we address when we do that. So again, like I said, just a schedule, a routine, um, some type of expectation for them. And then if you find that you have a group of students that can work independently while you work with other students, maybe an opportunity to have like a station or a rotation or something like that. I know that seems childish, but being able to have students work independently while you work with another group of students um, helps on that independence, their own confidence and competence. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have, it feels like we, we need like,
0: we need to be an octopus. We need to have eight hands going at all times, trying to, you know, manage all the different things. So, Yeah, I like those tips. So what should the organization and the setup um, look like? I mean, do I need a specific spot in my classroom that's just kind of um, dedicated to the life skills? Or would you recommend, you know, incorporating it just within the whole classroom?
1: You can do it either way, whatever's best for you in your own classroom. Um, I would say just a area or a bin or a Trying to, I'm thinking like the drawer organizers where, where, where it might have a student's name on it and like two or three worksheets in there or a student's name and a hands-on activity because it's hard for them to tie a shoe. So it might be a shoe in there to practice tying shoes, whatever it is. Um, I think having some type of system, not necessarily an area, um, something small where the students know – Okay, this is my independent time or my time to not be with a teacher instead of me fumbling around trying to figure out what homework I might do. This is a good opportunity for the students to have some structure saying, hey, here's some things that you need to work on that we've seen time management, organization, SEL, whatever it is. Um, and there's a couple activities over there. You can do that and then get a reward. Um, so again, work what is best for your classroom and what makes sense for you. Um, if it doesn't make sense to have an area, then don't. If you want just a bin with a couple f- hanging files in there, say grab a worksheet and do it, or grab an activity, cut and paste it, whatever it is, then you do that.
0: Well, we have used the task box system and you know, I, I had to teach it to myself and then trying to teach it to the paraprofessionals. That's another, that's another whole, you know, ball of wax. So do you have any recommendations on how to train your paraprofessionals on how to do that part of it, the life skills part of it?
1: Yeah, definitely. So since this is the summer, this is the great time to do this. Um, at the beginning of the year, when I want to start up work boxes or stations or whatever you want to call it, I always start with the independent work that my students are doing, which is usually our task boxes. Um, It's simple tasks that I know my students can do. Typically, it's like a color matching or a sorting, um, a put in task, something of that sort. Um, And I let my aides watch it. Watch the student do it. See where they're at independence wise, um, because eventually I'm going to pull my assistance from that. I want them to see what it looks like so that if they need to troubleshoot, a student gets set off for whatever reason. Um, They need to reconfigure it. Sometimes it's computer stuff. They need to be able to troubleshoot it. So that's where I always start is that independent work. My students then can work independently, hopefully after a couple weeks of trying these things. um, And and I can pull my aides to do other things, right? I can teach them how to do a fluency station, or I can teach them how to run an IEP goal and take data on it with another student while my other students are working. So my independent work helps lead into, or my task boxes is probably the best way, to help lead into training my paraprofessionals on it. so once they've watched it, they can see how much support. Um, we do our task boxes on a pr- prompting hierarchy. So the level of support that they need, a visual, um, hand under hand, um, a model, something like that. And we try to fade that out. And I teach that system while my students are also learning their work tasks. So it's kind of like a twofold where I'm not necessarily teaching, but I'm supporting my aides. And supporting the students so they can see how I would support the student. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So in these task boxes, I think one summer, a couple of years ago, I spent, I don't even know how much money, I spent so much money buying these boxes. And, you know, in my head, they all had to look the same. They all had to be, you know, exactly the same Um shape with the same color handle. It's just a little bit of control issue, I think with me, but I spent a bunch of money on, you know, washcloths and silverware and things that I wanted them to do. So I know the, you know, the, the tasks or some of the tasks that need to be put into those task boxes, but I, I'm looking for like, what are those unique things that can, that I'm missing? What are those things that I'm missing in my system?
1: Um, some of those things, again, you're going to have to look at your student. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the more creative ones that I've done this last year. Um, I've taken little beads and put them in medicine containers where they have to open the medicine bottle um, and then be able to read like a strip that says which color of bead, assuming it would be medicine, would need to go in each day of the week. Um, So that's a more complicated one, but also a great life skill. Obviously, I'm not going to give my students true medicine to make sure they're putting in, but the beads kind of help simplify um, what that is. And so I think that was one of my more creative tasks recently. Um, You have it completely right. The folding of the towels, the sorting silverware. Um, It could be something as something that's dirty or clean. Um, Sorting food groups is another good one. Can you can identify if it's a dairy or a meat? Um, you know, you can make up like a little tray, like a food tray of having like a fruit, a vegetable, a protein, a dairy, Um, and a snack or something, whatever it is, and try to make it so that the student understands like this is a well-balanced meal or something that would be more appropriate rather than having a chocolate bar and a bag of Cheetos and a juice box every day. You know, I know some of our students have the same (laughs) lunches every day, but.
0: So where do you get those materials, like the trays? Are there places um, that you can go to get, you know, free things for your classroom or do you have you know, examples of grants that you can write, or how do you get
1: all your materials? Um, so part of it is target dollar spot or dollar tree dollar stores, um, is where I started to get a lot of my materials. Um, and then up until recently, probably these last couple of years, I've done garage sales over the Mm -hmm. summer where families are getting rid of fake money. I'm like, great. I can use play money to buy something. We can make a grocery store, something like that. Um, As far as grants, I know my student or my school has some um, money that we get every year. It's not much, but I sometimes put some of that aside to know, okay, I want to make this task or this activity. I need $50 to do that. And then I might ask to purchase that for the classroom. And then it's part of the program.
0: Do you have a washer and dryer? I mean, is that part of your setup?
1: Yes, yes, we still have um, a, a laundry room where I have to pay for detergent and fabric softener and all the other things. so again, that's part of the program and part of the budget that I would get.
0: We have a laundry room at our school, but we've never you know utilized it for our our students who you know could benefit from that activity. I'll have to look into that and we don't we don't have a kitchen. do you have a kitchen that you do you teach? actual cooking skills?
1: Yeah. So a kitchen is in my classroom and also is the laundry room. So I have them directly in my, um, in my classroom. And yes, yeah, so we do cooking once a week. Um, we go out into the community to grocery shop um, once a month, sometimes twice a month to get those items for cooking. Um, but you don't really need a kitchen. You need a couple bowls and a spoon, um, a plate and a plastic fork you can again cheap you can do it in bulk um and so even if you just have a group table you can make pudding you could make peanut butter and jellies you know you don't need to go big if cooking is something that you want your students to work on
0: well i know last year with covid we didn't we weren't able to do any type of that so i'm looking forward to you know getting back to whatever normal is in our world and you know doing some of these things and you know having the kids work together to be able to you know build those skills as well. Correct. Well, thank you so much Heather. I I you've helped me a lot, you know, kind of just wrap my brain ab- around how I want to, you know, organize my classroom a little bit better. You know, I only have 5 years left. I keep telling myself I'm going to retire in 5 years, but I'm I'm a lifelong learner and so I I never want to just you know, coast through. I just want to, you know, keep growing and keep learning. And so, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your knowledge with
1: me and the listeners. Of course, I actually have one more final thought. Um, if you do not know where to start or what you want to work on, that's extra outside of academics. Parents are a great resource oh. um, to talk to and figure out what are they struggling with at home. Maybe they're really having a hard time identifying if their clothes are inside out um, and getting changed and dressing or making their bed. Um, Again, other life skills that they need to know how to do. um, So parents might be a good insight to some of those things.
0: I love that because, you know, working with our parents is so important and who knows their child better than they do. So, yeah, reach out to those parents. That's a great, great idea. Well, can you tell the listeners where to find you? And if they want to learn more from you, you know, outside of this podcast, where can they go to do that?
1: Of course. So you have my website, fullspedahead.com. I'm also on Instagram as FullSpedAhead. There's underscores between each one Um, or FullSpedAhead is also on Facebook.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to, you know, continuing to watch you on Instagram. I love your little reels and you just make me laugh every day. (laughs)
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator, and I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I'm so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. Speaking of growing as an educator, I have a way for you to unlock your superpowers, the ones that you never knew you possessed. And to discover the kryptonite that's been holding you back from becoming the amazing special educator that you've always wanted to be. It's my what's your special educator superpower. And it's a short quiz that will only take a minute or two of your time, but it will give you clarity on how you can manage your staff so that you can become a stronger leader. Just go to spedprepacademy.com quiz and see what superhero you get today. If you are enjoying this podcast and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and help others find the podcast as well. And I'd love it if you'd join us in the private SPED Prep Academy Facebook community. We are a safe space where special educators and related service providers can talk shop. If you liked what you heard today and realized you found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spadprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.